Right. All right, grab your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation. We're going we're gonna to go to the end of chapter number one and then jump into chapter number two. Chapter number two. Mike, that sounds funny. Sounds chirpy. Uh, if it, we, had two, we had two outlines. Did y'all pick up two outlines? Yep. All right, if you didn't pick up two outlines... Anybody, anybody, anybody need outlines? They're going to pass them out. They're going to help with that. If you did not pick up your outlines. All right. Fellas, y'all help them. Y'all help them. I think there's more over here. This section over here is doing what they're supposed to. This section over here. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hey, it wouldn't hurt none of y'all to. Y'all look kind of crowded over there. Y'all might want to come sit over here by these folks over here. I know this is the center crowd over here. My, my family's on this side. Amen. It gets kind of crowded in this section. All right, raise your hand real high if you need an outline. If you need an outline, all the way over here. All right, they're going to get that. Everybody else, go to Revelation. Johnny over there. Keep him up, keep him up, keep him up. He's going to get him. All right. All right. I, I gave you two. Uh, we're we're going we're gonna to jump into and, and begin chapters two and three of the church. If you'll remember, if you'll remember... Uh, Revelation is broken up into three sections. Write the things which thou hast seen. That's the past. That's the vision of Christ. That's chapter 1. The things which are. That's the present. That's chapters 2 and 3. The letters to the seven churches. And then the things which shall be hereafter. And that's from chapter 4 all the way to the end of the Revelation. Amen. And so tonight we're going to be talking about the church in general. We're not going to go into, into, into very... Uh, in-depth detail of each letter because we're going to try to do that uh, consecutively through the weeks. Uh, but I'm going to give you a brief overview of the two chapters, the, the, the seven letters there, and talk about the church. Uh, there is some really, really interesting information, good information that I want to share with you about the church because there's some people, they really don't understand what the church is. They just have this idea that there's a building that we all show up at and it's got a steeple and it's got a pews and a boring speech every week <laughs> and that, <laughs> that's not the way it's supposed to be amen uh, uh, so let's let's really let's really dive in and see what the church is today we're going to start with this outline here we're going to start with that outline first all right and then we'll see Christ in the church this is just pretty much information I wasn't going to get you a paper for but y'all look so pitiful when y'all had to write so much last week I went ahead and printed it for you say amen, amen. all right then you won't have to write so much all right so let's jump in here, Revelation chapter number 1 and, and verse number 20. Verse number 20. When you get there, say amen. amen. The Bible says in verse 20, The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. Now, now what color is your, your writing? Red. What's that mean? Jesus. Jesus is speaking. He's speaking about the vision that John has just got through seeing. And he saw, he saw seven stars and he saw seven golden lampstands. He said, uh, these, now he's fixing to tell you what they are, okay? He says, this is the mystery. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Now, the word angels translated messenger, and I truly believe that he is in reference to the pastors of those seven churches. He is leading them. He's guiding them. They're in his right hand, the hand of authority. And uh, those are the pastors of those seven churches. Now, watch this. The seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the what? The seven churches, okay? Now, and then we see into the, as we jump into chapter 2 and chapter 3, you'll see unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write. 
And then, uh, you, as you keep reading, you'll see in verse 8, unto the angel of the church of Smyrna write. Unto, verse 12, unto the angel of the church in Pergamos write. So he, he's writing these letters to each one of these churches, and uh, each messenger, each pastor of these seven churches, uh, giving them instructions and uh, encouragement, if you will, and telling him what he wants them to know. So we're going to jump right into that and go from there. Are you ready tonight? Say amen. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Uh, Lord, thank you for a great crowd tonight. Lord, a, a big crowd down there with TSM. Uh, Lord, I, I ask you to touch uh, Miss Kelly as she speaks tonight as being a, a, a cancer survivor. Uh, she's a little nervous right now, but I pray, God, that you'll fill her with the Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that you'll give her the ability to, to speak and encourage and uh, uh, give her strength to say what she needs to say. I pray, God, tonight that you will give us all what we need. Uh, Lord, we are desperately in need of your power, your anointing. We got a lot of information, got a lot of good stuff, but God, we need the Holy Spirit to touch us now. Touch every ear that we may hear and comprehend your word. I pray that you'll give me the ability to speak clearly and set it on a shelf where everyone can reach it. I pray your perfect will be done. Don't let me forget anything I need to say, and Lord, don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And Lord, we'll thank you and praise you and give you glory for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> right away, uh, and, and let, me, let me say this too. I, I forgot to mention this. I, we got to remind people every week. I am thrilled, I am thrilled to death that you love coming to Bible study. I am. I'm telling you, this tickles me to death. Uh, we have more people here tonight in Bible study than most churches have on a Sunday morning. And that's thr it thrills my soul and encourages a fire out of me. I love it when you come hungry, you come with your pen and your notebook and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but but here's, I need you to help me with something. Uh, uh, I need you not to trample the children getting in here. <laughs> all right? I love you being here and I love you wanting to get in here and get in your good seat and getting wherever that seat might be. Uh, but the Bible says, suffer the little children to come unto me and don't run them over in church. <laughs> Second hesitation, chapter four, amen? <laughs> please, please. Uh, we're going to have, we're going to have little children's teachers rioting and, and, and cussing and saying bad words if y'all keep trampling the children. Let them, let all the kids get out and then you can come in, amen? Isn't that great that you got to tell people don't run into the church? I mean, that's just not everywhere, amen? Every church don't have that problem. It's just, you know, all right. Anyway, I hope I said it where nobody's mad, amen? All right, let's look, let's look. The church, what is the church? What is the church? I grew up in church my whole life. It's all I've ever known. I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor, and uh, there was no question that we would be in church. Uh, there was no question we'd go to church when it came church time. And, and, and you know, there's a lot of people that, grow, that grew up just like I did. Uh, uh, they're very familiar with the tradition of church, what it is. And there's a lot of people that have traditions. Some are good, some are not. Uh, uh, I'd say this, most are not. Because most of the time when man gets their hands on stuff, we have a tendency to mess stuff up. Amen? But what is church? What was it? What, what, what is it today? You know, what did God intend for it to be? I've got, I've got a lot of good information for you. And I, I'm telling you, the, 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 the problem I had was trying to thin it down enough so we could get out of here in an hour. And, and it's just hard to do it, man, when God has given you so much great stuff. Uh, so what I, I want to do, I want to kind of give you, this is kind of like background information. 
Before I tell you about the seven churches and as they represent the whole, uh, I, I want you to know what exactly is the church. So you have a good foundation to base what you believe and base what you know uh, according to Scripture because I gave you Scripture for each one of these, all right? So let's jump right in here. Number one, in our intro information, uh, number one, I want you to write this down. The church was first mentioned by Jesus at Caesarea Philippi. The church was first mentioned by Jesus at Caesarea Philippi. If you'll remember, if you'll remember, this is what's going on. This is what's going on. Uh, this is in the summer of probably his third year of, of ministry, uh, third year of being on this earth and doing the things he was doing. His popularity is decreasing drastically. Uh, the Pharisees have come out against Jesus in a, in a horrible way. They're, 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 they, they, are, they have turned against him. People are walking away from him. Because if you'll remember, in the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he was, he was kind of like a rock star. Man, everywhere he went, people flocked to him. They wanted to be healed. They wanted to be helped. They wanted all of that. And, 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 but now it's different. I mean, we're basically in the shadow of the cross, and, and, and they, are, they are really uh, being isolated. If, if you, if, if we were we were able to go to Caesarea Philippi and see this spot where Jesus asked a question to Peter, and and it's like way away from Jerusalem, way away from Jerusalem, and so they're kind of they're kind of hiding, not really hiding, but kind of staying away because it's really dangerous to be Jesus and the disciples at this particular point in time. Now, keep in mind, keep in mind that the disciples are are, are waiting for the kingdom. I mean, I mean, we're waiting, for, we're waiting for him to rule, and he's going to kick Rome out of here. We're going to get out of bondage, and everything's going to be great. We're going to rule and reign with Jesus. He is the Messiah, the King. woo But things ain't looking good. We're, we're kind of we're exiled right now. We're, we're losing popularity. There's not as many people showing up to our revivals now. What's going on? And Jesus senses this. He understands this. And, and so he begins to ask them, who do men say that I am? Now we're fixing to get down to the nitty-gritty. Who do men say that I am? And, and you know, said, some said, we, some say you're, uh, one, you know, one of the prophets. You're, some say you're Elijah, you know, come back from the dead. Some say this, some say that. And he said, but who do you say that I am? And boy, Peter, he speaks up. You know how he is, real, real gung-ho. Peter speaks up, said, we believe that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus responds to Peter with this. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Unto thee I give the keys to the kingdom. What you shall loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. What you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And, and, and this is what he said. This is what he said. He said, on this rock I will build my... That's the first time it's been, ever been mentioned. First time in the Bible. In the Bible. Old Testament or New Testament. First time it's mentioned. Jesus speaks up. Now remember, remember, the disciples are waiting for a kingdom. And that's significant. You say, but that's the church. No, it's not. The church is not the kingdom. That's what they're waiting on, but Jesus mentions a church. All right? Now they know the word. The word church is ecclesia or ecclesia, however you want to pronounce it, a called out assembly. Now they are familiar with that. But they're not familiar with what Jesus is trying to explain to them. Now, we have the, we have the privilege of having the, the Word of God and, and, and all of the New Testament explanation. But at that point, they didn't get it. They didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. He said, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell 
shall not prevail against it. How many of y'all with me say amen? amen? Okay, now let's look at the second thing. Jesus speaks of it first. The first time it's mentioned in the Bible is here in Matthew chapter number uh, 16. Okay, now number two. <clears throat> the church was a mystery until revealed by God to Paul. The church was a mystery. In other words, none of the Old Testament prophets knew anything about it. They had no idea what the church was. Didn't know there was going to be a church. Even the disciples all the way up into the book of Acts in Acts chapter number 1, you remember? They said, are you going to set up your kingdom now? Are you, are you going to do it now? I mean, Jesus is resurrected. He died three days. He rose again 40 days on this earth. And, and, and now he's here with them. All right, all right. They're still asking for the kingdom. Are you, are you going to set up your kingdom? And what does he say? It is not for you to know the times or the seasons. So now you don't need to worry about that. But ye shall receive power, Acts 1.8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witness to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You see, there's, they still don't get it. Because the truth is, it wasn't revealed and explained and truly understood till it was given to Paul. Now, let's read it. Let's read it. Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. <clears throat> Verse 9 says, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth even in him in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined or predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Now we're going to read Ephesians 3 verse 1, but let me, let me, let me, let me kind of explain something real quick before we jump into there. Throughout the majority of the Old Testament, God dealt with the nation of Israel as a nation. And, and most, most all of God's dealings was with Israel, through Israel, and, and, and for Israel. Are y'all with me? The Jewish people, the Jewish nation, Abraham's descendants, the ones he promised to, to, to make a nation. He gave, he gave Abraham a covenant. I'm going to make your, your descendants as the stars of the sky, as the sand of the sea. All of this, you're, the, the world's going to be blessed through Abraham. And that's in reference to Jesus coming, right? Are y'all with me? Say amen. Everything was about the nation of Israel. Everything was about the Jewish people. And everybody else was outsiders. Everybody else was outsiders. But now things are changing. You see, the church is not a Jewish church. And the, Jew, and the church is not necessarily only a Gentile church. It is Jew and Gentile one. That was the mystery. That is what they didn't understand. That is what they didn't realize. Now watch this. Watch this. Ephesians 3.1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles... If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given to me to you, how that by revelation, in other words, God revealed this unto him, spoke this to him, that by revelation he made known unto me the what? The mystery. The mystery. As I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in the other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and the prophets by the Spirit. What's he saying right there? He's saying none of the Old Testament prophets knew. 
None of the Old Testament prophets understood the church or realized or even knew anything about the church being the church, okay? That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, under the, the, under the apostle Paul, unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship that means bringing together Jew and Gentile, the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God. In other words, until Paul, God didn't tell anybody. They didn't understand it. Jesus spoke it. He mentioned it. He talked about it in Matthew 16 when they were in Caesarea Philippi, but they didn't get it. But God revealed it to the apostle Paul. All right? Now... It says, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, number three, and this is going to start making sense, okay? Number three, the church... <clears throat> The church is made up of called out individuals, not nations. The church is made up of called out individuals, not nations. You remember the church, the word ecclesia, ecclesia, however you want to pronounce it. It means called out. It means called out. All right. Abraham, Abraham and his descendants were in Egypt. How many of y'all remember that? Say amen. 400 years, they're suffering as slaves in Egypt. Uh, they are here, and God sends Moses to what? Call them out. All right, so Moses leads them out and brings them to Sinai. And at Sinai, God gives them promises, and God gives them covenants, and God gives them the law, and God gives them everything to make them different. And this is what you got to see, to make them different to set them apart from all the other nations. Say that with me. All the other nations. nations. All the other nations. Listen, the Jews had their own literature. The Jews had their own scriptures. They had their own worship. They had their own diet. They had their own apparel. Are y'all with me? They had their own temple, or excuse me, tabernacle, and then ultimately a temple. They were different. They were set apart. They were holy. They were gods. And they were to be God's representatives to all the other nations. But the Jews were a called out nation. They called out nation. That's important. Because how many of y'all know the Jews rejected their king? They rejected their Messiah. The Messiah came, the one they'd heard about, the one that had been prophesied, the one that was told he would come, the one that was promised all the way back to, to the Garden of Eden, all the way back to Adam and Eve, there was a promise of a Messiah, a promise of a king. Uh, David's, uh, the lineage of David, there would be somebody who would assume the throne and be the king and be a king forever. He's coming. He's the Messiah. Guess what? His name was Jesus Christ. He came. Guess what? He came into his own and his own. 
received him not. They rejected him. They rejected him. Now think about this. At Caesarea Philippi, the rejection's already taken place. And Jesus mentions the church. Now, what happens is, to make a long story short, because we've got a bunch of stuff to go over tonight, God set the nation of Israel aside. He paused, he paused the working. If you want to use, I'm just trying to use stuff that will make sense to us. He called time out and he set the Jewish nation aside. Is God through with Israel? No, sir. Does God still have plans for Israel? Yes, ma'am. God is still. But in the time being, in the time being, it is halted. And now God is operating through the church. Through the church. But watch the difference. Watch the difference. Let me give you a verse. Let me give you a verse. Israel is a called out. Come on. Israel is a called out. All right. Exodus 19, 5. Now, therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, that then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Deuteronomy 14.1. Still dealing with Israel. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the are upon the earth. Now, Israel was a called out nation. But watch this. The church, the church is called out individuals from every tongue, tribe, and nation. Look what it says in Revelation 5, 9. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God. Who were the saved? Were the redeemed? I'm redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. All to him I now resign. I have been, I have been, you have been redeemed. You have been bought back. The Bible says, who did he redeem? He redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and what is he saying? The church is made up not of one nation, but of individuals out of every tongue, every color, every nation, every tribe. There's going to be Africans in the church. There's going to be Americans in the church. There's going to be English people in the church. There's going to be Canadians in the church. There's going to be Mexicans in the church. There's going to be somebody say amen. Out of every tongue, nation, tribe, and people, God's calling them out. Why do we go to Tanzania? Why do we go to Mexico City? Why do we go to Germany? Why are we going to Burma? Because God is calling out a people, a people he's calling out to be in his church, to bring glory to his name. Called out individuals, individuals. Listen, Jewish individuals. Gentile individuals. Now that caused an issue. Because if you'll remember in the very beginning and, and throughout the, the dealings of the Jews with the Gentiles, they hated each other. More specifically, the Jews hated the Gentiles. Some, because of false teaching and false tradition, didn't even believe they had a soul. And so, and so there was no dealings with them. And then when, when the church came to the forefront and, and Jesus changed things 
and Jesus changed the way he was going to operate. He had to speak and give Peter a vision for he'd do what he's supposed to. How many of y'all remember when he was praying and was in a trance and saw that unclean food come down? He said, I ain't never. By the way, that's the last words of a church. I ain't never. He said, don't call. Don't call. I'm trying to hurry this up, but it's in Acts if you want to go look it up. Don't call common what I've called clean. And right after that, right after that, the servant of Cornelius came. You remember Cornelius is a Gentile? And then and Peter said, oh, God must be talking to me. So he went to Cornelius' house. Y'all know what happened? He began to share the gospel. Cornelius and his family got saved. So, so they're looking at, whoa, what's this about? You know, Acts 2, the Jews got saved. So they're making up the church. Then Acts 8, the, the, the Samaritans were to half Jew and half Gentile. And now Acts 10, full-blooded Gentile. Uh, uh, Cornelius has gotten in. What is this all about? It was a mystery. They didn't understand what God was doing. They didn't understand that God was bringing into one, Jew and Gentile, into one, into Christ. If that makes sense, say amen. 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 We'll get to the outline in a minute. Just, you, you just got to go, you got to know this stuff. All right, so the church is a called out individuals out of every nation. Say amen. All right, number four. The church... The church is the body of Christ on earth. The church is the body of Christ on earth. <clears throat> Ephesians 1.22 says this, And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head, who is the head? Christ. Gave him to be the head over all things to the, the church. Now watch what he says. The church, which is his body the church the believers the body now now keep in mind keep in mind we're not talking about this building we're not talking about this platform we're not talking about them chairs we're not talking about that balcony we're not talking about the parking lot we're talking about you each and every believer each and every saved child of God you are the body of Christ he's the head we are the all right now, I'm, I'm going to explain why he uses his illustration in the next one. Well, watch this. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. <clears throat> For as the body is one and hath many members. I, I have one body. There's one body standing up here in front of you, but I got, I got a lot of members. I got some fingers. I'm glad somebody can say fingers like me. Fingers. I got ears, nose. Got toes in my Crocs. Say amen right there. Got some knees going. I got all kind of members, but I have one body. Now, we're all members of one body, and that is the body of, and he is our, woohoo, say amen. Watch this. We have many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we are all baptized. This is how we're put into that body. By the Holy Spirit at salvation. He baptizes. That word means immerse. He puts us into the body of Christ by salvation. Whether we be Jews or Gentile, doesn't matter. Whether we be bond or free, doesn't matter whether you're a slave or a free man. And have been made all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but... Now watch, now watch. Let's all read this, verse 27. Now, now, verse 27, just so you won't mistake what he's talking about, he adds this in verse 27. Now ye, read it with me, now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. 
So what does that mean? That means he's comparing, he's explaining, he's illustrating that we are the body of Christ. Now you say, but, 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 but Christ is at the right hand of the Father. Exactly. Exactly. So who is going to be Christ here on earth? See, watch this. Look at number, what number, five? Look at number five. This explains it. This, this is where it all makes sense. <clears throat> number five. The body, that's you and me, the body of Christ is the manifestation of a personality. Your body does what your personality is. If, you're, if your personality is an old fuddy-duddy, you know what your body does? Right? If your personality is happy-go-lucky, guess what? Some of y'all can see a body coming, and you know their personality, so you go the other way. Amen. I need a witness in the house. Amen. Right? Because the body just holds the personality that's in it. Now watch this. Watch this. If the body is the manifestation of the personality, look, I want you to read this with me. The only way Christ can manifest himself, and the word manifest means to display or show, show himself, display himself. The only way this can take place in the world is through his body, the church. The only way the world can see Christ today is in Christian believers. Paul wrote in Philippians 1.21, he said this, For to me to live is... You know what that means? It means this, that Christ lives in Paul so that Christ can be manifested or seen in the world through Paul. Does that make sense? Now, here's the thing. How is this world going to see Jesus? They're supposed to see it through you. We're supposed to be manifesting the personality of the body of whose we are. And we are the body of Christ, so we are to be manifesting his personality. We are to have his mind in us. Let this mind be new, which was also in Christ Jesus. We ought to manifest his attitude. We ought to manifest his forgiveness. We ought to manifest his love for all the unlovable. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. That's the church. The millions of people on this planet that claim to be saved and professing knowing Christ, you're supposed to be manifesting his personality. That's the church. That's, that's what Christ had in mind when he left all of us behind. To be him while he was interceding for us. Amen? Now watch. Ephesians 4.11. How do you know this, preacher? Because according to Ephesians 4.11, he gave... He gave giftings to people to, 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 to mold the church and to form the church. He gave some, look in your notes, he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for what? The perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, the building, the strengthening, the forming. Perfecting means maturing, developing. Till we all come in the unity, in other words, we're going somewhere. We've got a destination We've got a destination. In other words, God's got expectations for you. Yeah, say amen. What is, what is the expectation? What is the destination? Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, a complete man. Who is that complete man? Under the measure, the stature, the fullness of Does that make sense? 
All right, watch this, watch this. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into you know, when you ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a, an astronaut. I want to be a policeman. I want to be a garbage man. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. When, when we are asked as the body of Christ, as every born-again child of God, as every professed believer, when you grow up, what do you want to be? According to that verse, all of our answers should be Jesus. Grow up into him. When he's through with us, we're going to look like him. When he's through with us, we're going to act like him. When he's through with us, we're going, to, we're going to talk like him. And we're going to manifest his personality. And we're going to love people like him. And we're going to serve people like him. And we're going to help people like him. I need some more witnesses in this house. Yes. He's working on us. He's working on us. He's developing us. He's perfecting us. He's edifying us so that we'll look like him will manifest his personality because we are his help me we are his body the only Jesus this world will see is the Jesus they see through you I wonder how much they're seeing number six The church, this is gonna, this is gonna convict some of us. The church is a temple for the habitation of God. You remember in the Old Testament, the, the temple or the tabernacle in the wilderness, and then the temple in Jerusalem, the Temple Mount. That's where God hung out. That's where God manifests his glory, his presence, the Shekinah glory. Y'all remember that? When, when, they, when they dedicated the temple and, and the priest couldn't even go in because God filled that place and the glory cloud was there and the Shekinah glory, that Shekinah glory that was seen in Jesus said the, the, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory when Peter, James, and John was on the Mount of Transfiguration and Jesus started glowing from the inside out because he was being manifest, his glory Listen, the temple's no longer there, guys. I just got back from there. It's no longer there. It was destroyed in 70. The Romans took it down just like Jesus said it would. Not one stone will stand on another. It was completely destroyed. So where in the world is God going to hang out now? You. Watch, I got verses. I got verses. Ephesians 2.19. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners. He's talking to Gentiles, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation. Say that with me. Let's read verse 22 together. In whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Ain't that great? God's hanging out in you. Everywhere you go, you carry God with him if you're saved. 1 Corinthians 6. 
He's speaking to people that's committing fornication and shacking up and having sex with people they're not married to. So what are you doing? What are you doing? What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? Which ye have of God and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. The church is a temple for the habitation of God. Then, then, then lastly, and we, we got to hurry. Number seven, the church is the bride to Christ Jesus. Man, there's so much I want to tell you right here. I got so much good information. We're going to have, we're going to have a marriage conference. It's a humdinger. I'm going to tell you that right now. It is so awesome. When you, when you look at the first Adam and his wife, Christ is the last Adam and his wife. And the comparisons that go with, oh, my soul. Somebody say amen. amen. 2 Corinthians 10, 18. To, for I am jealous. This is Paul. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. He's talking to his new converts. He says, for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you a chaste virgin to Christ. Revelation 19, 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made herself ready. The marriage of the church is prophetically referred to by Jesus in the parable of the marriage of the king's son in Matthew 22, 1 through 14, and consummated in Revelation 19, 7 through 9. So we see that the church is a body. The church is a habitation of God. When Jesus left... He sent the Holy Spirit to indwell the believer. And so we are the church. You and I are the church, okay? The church and Israel is, are two separate things, okay? God still has a plan for Israel. There is a timeout. They are set aside. Now is the age of grace, the age of the church. Are y'all with me? Beginning at Pentecost all the way to the rapture, this is the time of the church. A church that the Old Testament prophets didn't know anything about. The disciples really didn't understand it. But it was fully revealed and fully explained to the Apostle Paul. And that's why we follow his teachings. We follow his doctrine. We follow the epistles to learn how we're supposed to act in the church. What we're supposed to be in the church. What is the mission of the church. It is to bring the gospel and share the gospel with the world. Say amen. Now, now, let's go to our other outline. Let's go to our real outline. That was supplemental. <clears throat> all right? Here's, here's what I want you to see. Chapters 2 and 3 is all about the church. It's all about the church. It's the present time. Okay? Uh, chapters 1 in Revelation is the vision of the resurrected Lord, the, the glorified Christ. He is in the midst of the church he is operating in the church. He's, he's, he's with us now. Right now, he, his presence, his spirit, Christ is here in this assembly. Say amen. amen. That's wonderful. I'm so glad. And because of that, he knows some stuff, right? Amen. You remember the one phrase that's mentioned in every single letter in chapters 2 and 3, all seven letters, is I know thy works. Say it with me. I know thy, I know thy works. Why? How can he know that? Because he's here. He sees every person in this room. He sees who's here and he sees who's not here. But not only, not only that, not only is he here and he's present, but he knows us so well, he knows every hair on our head. He knows every thought in our mind. So he knows exactly what we need. 
as the church. And so he's writing to the church. He's helping, encouraging the church. So write this down. A couple more things, and then we'll jump into the main outline. You need to understand, number one, he purchased the church. You belong to him. You're not your own anymore. You don't have a right not to do what he commands you to do. Not if you're saved. Now, if you're not saved, you can do whatever you want to do. But if you're a child of God, you've been purchased. You've been bought. Don't you love when you buy something from somebody and then they go to give you instructions? Now, now, now don't, now, now, now be careful. To, now, now, wait a minute. You don't own it no more. You're not in charge anymore. When, when it has been purchased, you no longer have any rights over it. It is completely at the discretion of the purchaser. Are y'all with me? And so when we fall before Christ and we receive his salvation, we receive the purchasing, the redemption of our... Are y'all with me? Now he owns us. Acts, Acts 20, verse 27. Acts 20, verse 27. Take heed, therefore, unto you... This is really a verse to me. This is a warning from Paul to the shepherd, the under-shepherd. He tells me to be careful. Be careful to myself and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost have made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath, what? Which he hath with his own. Now let me go back, let me go back to that verse we read a while ago. Let me go back to that verse we read a while ago. It says in, in verse number, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God? Ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. He purchased the church. He purchased the church with his own blood. Number two, he powered the church. He powered the church. Acts 1.8. But ye shall receive power. Say that with me. But ye shall receive power. Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses to me in both Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. God, I know he gave us a great assignment, a great commission, an, a seemingly impossible task, but thank God with that task, with that assignment, with that commission, he said, I'm going to give you power. In the great commission, he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And with the God who has all power, he's saying, now I'm giving you power. Are y'all with me? That word is the Greek word dunamis. Dunamis is where we get our word dynamite, dynamo, dynamic. Are y'all with me? It is power. God will give you power over sin. God will give you power to witness. God will give you power to share the gospel. He will give you what you need to do what he's called you to do. Say amen. amen. Not, only, not only has he powered the church, but this, this is going to set up chapters 2 and 3. He perfects the church. He perfects the church. Now, here's what you need to get out of that word. Maturing, developing, growing, edifying, he perfects the church. You remember what he said in Ephesians chapter 4? Y'all remember that? 
He said he gave apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers. What? For the perfecting of the saints. Say that with me. For the He wants you to grow up. Look at your neighbor beside you and tell him, grow up. Some of you have been wanting to say that for a long time. I can tell that already. Amen. I just feel it in the room. Now look at him and say, grow up into him. Grow up into him. Listen. I, we, we, <laughs> we talk about the little kid song that we grew up singing. He's still working on me. Do you realize the moment that you trust Christ as your Savior, he begins to work. He begins to work. What, what, what if I don't want him to? Tough. You don't have no choice in the matter. Because you belong to him now. That's why, you know, we have the... We have the possibility of getting ignorant on God. How many of y'all been saved a long time? Come on, raise your hand. Don't be shy. Now, how many of y'all ain't always acted right? Mm-hmm. How many of y'all God got your attention? Yeah. You know why? Because he's perfecting you. Yeah, sometimes he'll give us a lot of rope. Sometimes, I don't know why, but it seems like he gives some more rope than others, but... You're still on the rope. <laughs> and at some point, how many of y'all ever seen foghorn leghorn? <laughs> Have you ever saw foghorn leghorn run up that bulldog to sleep and take that board and warp him three or four times and take off running? That bulldog chases him to the end of the. Y'all know what happens. To every child of God. There is an end of that rope. But it's not because he hates you. It's not because he's mad at you. It's because he loves you. And he wants you, watch this, watch this, to manifest his, have y'all forgot already? <laughs> Personality. God wants you to manifest his personality. Because after all, you are the body of Christ. So guess what? Every day you come to church, he's working on you. Every time you open your Bible, he's working on you. Every time you come to church, hey, I ain't going to lie. I ain't going to lie. In that second service Sunday, it got quiet as a church mouse. We start talking about sin and start naming some of them and whoo. You know why? God was perfecting. He's working on us. Amen? But that's what he does. Because he loves us. Now watch this. Write this down. In these seven letters, there's practical help. And there's only 11 minutes. Mercy. There's practical help. Keep in mind, keep in mind, that there are real seven churches in modern-day Turkey, okay? They're real churches. He is speaking to John to write to these real churches, okay? Uh, uh, Ephesus, Thyatira, Pergamos, Sardis, uh, 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 Laodicea, Philadelphia, 
and, and, and one of them I missed. Might have got them out of order too. But anyway, there's seven of them. They're, they're real churches that were at that time that John was doing the writing, struggling and in need of encouragement. So he is writing. Here's what we'll do. I only got like 10 minutes. So I'm going to give you all the outline, the outline, the main points, and talk just a little bit about them. And then next week, bring that outline back, and we're going to go into detail about it. Okay? Does that sound like a plan? Okay. Uh, practical help. Practical help. Uh, here's, here's what we're going to see. Each one of these churches, each one of these churches is having some issues. Okay? Uh, not all of them. There's only one that really doesn't have an issue, and that's Philadelphia. And he's really tickled with Philadelphia, and we'll get to that here in just a little bit. But even as, as, as great as Ephesus is, the apostolic church, uh, man, they are there. If you, if you made the list of, of what they were doing right, man, every pastor in America would want this kind of church. But he still had an issue. He said, I'd have somewhat against thee because you left your first love. So, so he's wanting to encourage these churches. All right? But here's the thing. Here's the thing I want you to get. The letters in these two chapters, chapters 2 and 3, these seven letters are addressing issues that these specific churches had, but churches down through the centuries have the same problems. Let me ask you this. Be honest. Be honest. Have you ever gotten kind of you ever gotten kind of lukewarm in your relationship with God? Have you watch this now? Watch this. I'm gonna get all of you now. It'll be honest. How many of y'all have ever gone to church before? Because you were supposed to, not necessarily because you wanted to. Right? You see, we're, we're having the same struggles that Ephesus had. How many of y'all have gone through trials in your life? Difficulty. Yeah. Boy, Smyrna was struggling. How many of you just felt like you just your, your, your Christian walk was just dead? That's Sardis. You see, he's, he's given instructions and he's given practical help to these specific seven churches. But I'm so glad that we can take these seven letters and apply it to today, to the issues we have in the church today. Amen? All right, number two. Number two. Remember, we're going to come back and give you the answer, so don't wig out on me and throw tomatoes or nothing, all right? We see, what did I say number one was? Practical help. Then, then number two, there is a prophetic history that is really cool that we're going to get to look at. A prophetic history. Let me, let me read that, let me, let me read that R.H. Clayton quote. It can be no mere coincidence that these epistles do set, these, these letters, these seven letters, do set out the salient characteristics of the church through the centuries, and no one can deny that they are presented in historical sequence. What does that mean? When we're through with the, the, the seven letters, we're going to be able to start with Ephesus and end up at Laodicea, and you will be able to take a, a secular history book, a secular history book, not a spiritual one, not the Bible, but a secular history book of the history of the church age as it has unfolded that historians can write down and you can see each span of time all the way to where we are today in Laodicea. Ephesus started with the apostolic church and we are now in the Laodicean church. 
which we can have we can have a Philadelphian church in a Laodicean time, but we're going we're gonna to study all that, and it's going to be really cool. Say it, man. But then number three, I have seven minutes. I may be able to preach this one. <clears throat> Everybody needs about six minutes of good preaching. Amen? Amen. Listen, then lastly, there is a promising hope. A promising hope. Now, if we were, were able to go through chapter or, or point number two, you'll find out that the church really is looking bad. In the Laodicean church, now there's a remnant through the whole thing. Are y'all with me? God's always got his people. No matter how dark, no matter how dim, the prophet said, I'm the only one serving you. He had to be reminded God's always got his, amen. But in the end, it's going to look bad to the point that Jesus said, will he find faith on the earth when he comes? In the Laodicean church age, it's lukewarm, not cold, not hot. Matter of fact, the whole atmosphere of the church in God's nostrils is nauseating. He said, because you're lukewarm, I spew thee out of my mouth. But in the last couple verses, in the last couple verses, he says this, I stand at the door and... Now, in the Philadelphian church age, right before the Laodicean church age, he says, I put before you an open door, which no man can shut. It was a door of opportunity, a door of evangelism. It was a time of the great awakenings and the great revivals that we have recorded and we have seen. Man, what a great time. But now, he's standing at the door and knocking. That means that Christ is on the outside of the church wanting to get in. Now, here's the thing. He says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. Let me give you three things in five minutes, all right? Number one, or A, there is an active involvement. Even in the Laodicean age, even in the time of the closed door, even when people are wishy-washy, people are not committed, they're not faithful. I'm telling you, this is the day we're living in. You can't depend on people for nothing. They don't want to be committed to church. They don't want to be committed to families. They don't want to be committed to jobs. They don't want to be committed to anything. We are lukewarm. Church is a side thing. If we got time for it, we are in the Laodicean church age where there's no commitment, there is no none whatsoever, and it's making God sick. But even though God is nauseated, and he said, I will spew thee out of my mouth, Jesus is still knocking on the door, actively involved, wanting to be involved in the church, wanting to have his power manifest in the church, wanting to fellowship with his people. Say amen. I stand at the door and knock. He's there. Can you hear him? He's there saying, let me in. He's there saying, I want to be what you are doing. I want to be involved in what's going on. Listen, not only do we see active involvement, we see, we see something, an attractive invitation, an attractive invitation. If any man hear my voice and open the door, let me, let me share something with you. Some of y'all going to get mad and you're not going to like this and you're probably not going to agree with it, but that's okay. You can be wrong if you want to. <laughs> there is not going to be another great revival. I know what Facebook warriors are saying and we're praying for God to touch the nation and change the nation and all this kind of stuff, but we're not in the age of the open door anymore. 
We're in the Laodicean church age. And did you notice the invitation? Did you notice the invitation? He said, I stand at the door and knock. If what? Any? Not any church. He didn't say y'all. Individual. Individual. Singular. Now what what does that mean? This is what I believe it means. The church as a whole is not going to experience mass revival. I don't believe there's going to be a worldwide revival during the age of grace, during the Laodicean church age. I don't believe that. But according to these verses, this is what I do believe. I do believe there can be churches in all pockets of the country, churches that still believe in God and still believe in the power of God and still are holy and righteous and are praying and interceding and fasting and asking God to come and they want to feel his presence, they want to feel his power and they invite him in and we can be a Philadelphia church in a Laodicean age. It doesn't matter if every church on the street's dead, dying, drying up. We can be growing and expanding and moving forward in the power of God if we just invite him in. He said, I will come in. Say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. A minute and 36 seconds. Let's do it. Then we see there's an active involvement. There's an attractive invitation. But then there's an affection indwelling. I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Now, if you're a Yankee, you may not know what that means. How many of y'all know what a cat head biscuit is? How many of y'all know what it means to dip that thing in your plate? Sup it all up. I will come in and sup with him. That means fellowship. Means eat together. Means hang out. Means associate with. Ooh, I feel God bumps. He said, I will. And if you're a Yankee, I'm just kidding. You may do that up north. I don't know. Are y'all with me? Come on, loosen up. Y'all were Southerners. Most of y'all are anyway. Help me, South Southern people. I will come in. I'm telling you, it's not important that we got a fancy building. It's not important that we got screens or technology. It's not important that we finally got concrete to park on. That's not what's important. It's not important. It's not important that even... I mean, it's kind of important that we're here. But guess what? If all of us show up and he don't, we've wasted our time. Every time we come, we should pray, God, manifest yourself in this place. 
He's wanting in the church. He's desiring, that's right, he's desiring to put his power and his presence in the church. I mean, to the point that if we don't do what he says, we're going to learn in, in the church of Ephesus, he threatens the church of Ephesus to remove his presence out of the church. Man, we need him. I don't know about y'all, but we've gone through some tough times lately. And there's hurting people in here every week. Struggling. There's people worried that they're not going to make it. I'm telling you, slick talk ain't going to fix them people. The only thing that's going to help us in the greatest time of need is His presence. And boy, we need to preach His word. Because it really tickles Him. Preach the word. Preach the word. Hey, Next week, we're going to talk more about the church, all right? We, we kind of run out of time, but that's all right. You, you needed the information. You needed a good foundation. And, and trust me, that's not all there is to it. But I think it's what you needed to know going into why he's so, why he's so concerned about his church and why he cares so for his church, okay? And all God's people say it. Amen. Let's pray. Lord.